We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, and tonight, joined by special guest Ben Collins. We're recording at just before midnight Central Standard Time. The Dallas Mavericks held on against the Los Angeles Clippers in what may be the strangest, most exhilarating, and terrifying playoff game I can remember since the 2011 playoffs. The Dallas Mavericks beat the Los Angeles Clippers to go up 3-2 in the series and head home to Dallas 105-100. to How are you, gentlemen? I am good. Uh, that was one of the stupidest playoff games I've ever watched in my entire life. But that's okay because in the playoffs, you do not have to apologize for winning a, for how you win a game. So just get out of LA, get back to Dallas. Who cares? Uh, the Mavericks won. I I don't know how they did it, but they won. Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the Dwight Powell game. Uh, the, the only reason you say that is because you hope that there's more of them in the future. If you look at his line, it's it's not great, but Jesus, if Dwight Powell was not on this team this, today, it was, he had eight and seven and, and two, but he was plus 10. And if he was not on this team today, we would not have won this game. In fact, I don't think we would have been even close to winning this game. I think the Clippers would have pulled away in the third quarter. Um, this was a game that was determined by the one big on the team that had energy, that could roll to the basket, that could do anything proficiently offensively. And uh, he, Dwight Powell, the uh, you know we have ragged on this man for years, but he has saved the season. He really did. So I'll give a brief rundown of the game to anybody who didn't catch it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably did. The Mavericks started what felt like an utter desperation lineup with Boban Marjanovic and Kristaps Porzingis, and something strange happened. The Mavericks got off to a okay start. It wasn't great. It was decent. But then Luca got off to a phenomenal start, scoring 19 points in the first quarter, dishing out some assists. And the Mavericks won the first quarter 35 to 28. From there, the rest of the game, 
is sort of the story of the Clippers trying to catch up. The third quarter, the Mavericks annihilated Los Angeles in the final four minutes based off of kind of this this herky-jerky lineup with, with Dwight Powell you know, leading the way, as Ben just mentioned. The Mavericks took a massive, at least playoffs massive, 14-point lead into the final quarter only to see it slowly chip away. The Mavericks only scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. It felt like a very 2019-2020 game where they simply couldn't score. Luka was exhausted. He posted a stat line of 42, 14 assists, and 8, but he shot 37 times. He only got to the free throw line three times, which is some out-and-out bullshit. Um, Don't know how to call that any other way than, than that with how hard he was being humped by Clippers defenders. But the Mavericks managed to to sort of walk away with this one. So uh, I'll, I'll punt to Josh first. Where would you like to to take this? Because I, I think I have an idea. So why don't you just go? Well, I think I have to. I mean, I might write about this later. But I have to say that, I mean, when you consider it's, it's a five-point game, um, the game was decided in that third-quarter run. Like, that's how the Mavericks won this game. And the game was decided because – for whatever reason, Clippers coach Ty Lue left uh, Zubak in for almost the for the entirety of that third quarter run. I don't remember it was twenty two to five. It was something like it was something like that twenty five to five. I can't remember the exact number. But when the Mavericks got that fourteen point lead, uh, it was Zubak on the floor, and it was what we saw in games one and two. Luca just just bum hunting, as that's the new the the fun phrase, Zubak getting him in the pick and roll and making jumpers, making layups, making floaters. Uh, and it was, it was outrageous. I couldn't believe it, it kept going. Like it just kept going and going. And I was like, where's the timeout? Where's the substitution? Uh, and a 22, you know, whatever that run was at like 22 to five, 25 to five run, like that big of a run in a five point game. I mean, that's the game, right? Like if mm-hmm. I don't understand, I know we're the Mavericks podcast, but I just, I don't understand how after what happened in games one and two and three and four, and you consider how this series has gone and how the Clippers got back into the series to make it a two, two series. How do you, I don't know how you leave Zubak on the floor for that long. Like that was one of the most baffling uh, decisions I've seen from a team in a long last time. Uh, and if the Clippers would have just kept playing their normal small ball and Zubak played, you know, 11, 13, you know, 11, 12 minutes, uh, I think they win the game. Uh, you know, if the Mavericks go on like a 10 to two run instead of the run they went on, I mean, I think the Clippers win the game considering how the rest of the game went. Yeah. Um, Josh Zubak so- was, was, Minus nineteen. I know it's insane. Ooh. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know how that happens. But hey, credit to the Mavs for like, dude, Luca. When he smells blood in the water, man. I mean, he immediately attacked it, and he just went to it over and over again. So, so you know, the Clippers boofed it there, but props to Luca and the Mavericks for just not letting them off the hook. So don't if if either of you knows the answer to this, what do you think Lucas shot like like his field goal attempts versus makes was in the fourth quarter? Oh, I I, I have it up, so I'm not going to say it. Okay, it, it's <laughs> one of eight. He was terrible, and yeah. I this is the third straight win where he has been terrible in the fourth quarter, and don't understand that at all. Um, well, Kirk, I was I was I had this written down. I you know this is a <laughs> I know I. I, I make notes now. It's terrible. It's a terrible uh, habit. Um, but look, this is the this is the way Luca gets better. I think you know when, when people talk about 
how he how possibly this guy can get better over the course of time and all this stuff. I don't think it's like adding a move or getting better defense or anything. I think I think the thing that Luca will have to do to get better in the next couple of years is just conditioning. He had 19 points in the first quarter. You know, he's on pace to score 75 points or something. And that's ridiculous. It's because he, he had a full wind and he, he had a stroke on his second straight or third straight game where it was like this. And by the time the fourth quarter comes around, he's truly exhausted. And you can tell and in, you can tell it uh, in ways that would never show up in a short, uh, show up in a score sheet. So like he's passing out of double teams early. He's making it so he doesn't have to handle the ball. Like it's tough. And that's, you know, with three or four minutes left, that's really, that's, that's a tough time for that to happen. Thankfully tonight, you know, KP hit that huge shot in the corner, which was, you know, he's been camped out there the whole series. Uh, it was enormous. Tim Hardaway hit a shot that he should not have taken. <laughs> and, uh, he won, I mean, it's a bailout shot because what happened was they were funneling it to Luca, and Lu- and and it just kind of becomes this this scrum of an offense where when Luca gets you enough open looks and if you don't hit them, what do you do? And Tim fumbled the pass and took a like there was a man on top of him when yes. he hit yep. that shot, which I don't understand how he hits that versus some of the just wide open bunnies that Luca was serving him. Yeah, I, I I will never understand why Tim Hardaway has the one for eleven game after a you know a ten for eleven game or something. It's just the, the mm. mystery of Tim Hardaway. But it worked in this tonight. It just works. Um, the guys who needed to step up in those moments when Luca was out of gas, they just did. And uh, God God bless him because otherwise we would not be here. Um, so yeah, the the two big things I learned from this game, uh, Josh and I had like you know we talked about before the game that there was this hour or two where uh, it was clear Boban was going to start and Ty Lue knew this and nobody else seemed to know it. It was very weird. And there was some raucous debate over it. And I thought it was, I thought it was a good thing because first of all, change was good. Change was necessary here, but it also sort of presaged what happened with Zubats, right? Where um, I thought that Boban being on the floor would necessitate at least a little bit of Zubats time. You could get, you could get him in a switch. You could get him in a blender and pick and roll and Luca can take over. Um, and Boban is pretty good at putbacks. He knows how to, uh, he knows how to rim run. And that's just what happened with Dwight. I don't, I still don't like Josh said, I just don't know how it happened. I don't know why he was still in the game. Uh, Batum did a better job guarding Dwight Powell and they figured that out in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. We got bailed out by bad coaching in the third quarter. It won us the game. So uh, yeah. th- that's, that's the big takeaway from this game so far. Uh, and I have to get to, I don't know where we're going to go next, but I just have to t- like, we have to talk about, uh, the sequence where the Clippers got the steal, uh, mm. with the, and the ball down, you know, down one with what, like 20 seconds left or 15 yeah. seconds left. And Terrence Mann has, I mean, I haven't watched the replay yet, but watching it live, uh, he had a relatively open layup that he passed out of. And then Nicholas Batum took a one-on-three eight-footer in the paint. Meanwhile, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, like, wide open at the three-point line. If Batum, and there's plenty of time. Like, if Batum just turns around and, and passes the ball to either one of those, like, it, the Mavericks might have lost. Like, it was one of the worst sequences I've seen from a team. Like, totally unforced error. And I know the Mavericks made some insane defensive plays, in the fourth quarter, I mean, they had 10 steals. Uh, Dorian and Tim Hardaway Jr. combined for seven steals. I don't think that will ever happen again in my lifetime with those two well, players. I mean, Kawhi Leonard and Paul uh, George combined for 10 turnovers. That's yeah. insane. Paul yeah. George had 
two enormous turnovers with two or three minutes left that really, you know, it solidified that run where Dallas hit those two big threes. And also, look, I, I think that, you know, I had, I was really, I was having a really hard time with Dodo this series because even Josh Richardson was playing against Kawhi and Paul George much better the last few games. Dodo was just a step slow against Kawhi and he was shooting mm-hmm. over him and everything. That was not the case tonight. Dodo did an incredible job defending against that three at the end of the game. That he he was really he was the perimeter defender that that this team talks him up to be all the time. Well, um, why do you think that was? Because I thought it was because he was on Kawhi. Because I, Paul George's yeah. herky jerky stuff puts him on absolute roller skates. This is not one of my insights. One of my followers pointed it out to me, and now I just can't unsee it. And so his real, you know, Kawhi had a comeback to earth game. It just happens. Like he missed a lot of open shots, like some crazy stuff. And I, I just can't help, but it, you know, I can't help but feel like the Mavericks escape. But Dorian, Dorian was just the different kind of look that paired with the zone. Like Kawhi was never comfortable. And that's the first game that's happened. Um, I'm shut. Like this is a thing that happened in a, in a playoff game. So the Mavericks defense, I'm going to get to the kind of lead what you're talking about with Kawhi Kirk, but so okay. the Mavericks rim defense was so terrible in the first four games of this series that the Mavericks adjustment in game five was to let the best three point shooting team in the NBA <laughs> shoot more three pointers. Uh, the Clippers took 38 three pointers tonight. I believe that might be their most of the series right? in any game this series. Um, they took 21 shots in the paint. They only made 11. Um, and I feel like a lot, like, I feel like a lot of those were, uh, in the second half, I think the first, yeah, they had nine, they had nine in the second half What they have in the first nine, it's 12, actually they had 12, 12 shots in the paint in the first half, but still the rim defense was better because the Mavericks were basically daring the Clippers to shoot threes for most of it. And Kawhi getting back to Kawhi, he was one of seven from three. And, you know, that's another stat that you can be like, well, there's the game because I think outside of the last three to end uh, end the game, basically. Uh, most of those were relatively open. He missed a lot of open threes. Uh, I was kind of shocked uh, how many threes he missed. And I think the fact that he wasn't able to just take two power dribbles and be at the basket and score a layup uh, definitely threw him off. I mean, it was a different look. I mean, it's, it is absolutely crazy. I don't know if they could do this again in game six now that the, you know, I, I think it kind of shook the Clippers a little bit that in three games, three and four, I mean, they didn't even really have to do anything special on offense. They just, I mean, it was, it was anyone on that team from the perimeter took two or three hard dribbles in an isolation situation and they got, and they were at the basket and scoring a layup. So uh, the Mavericks just had to be like slightly better than that uh, j- just to, to throw the Clippers off. And it did. And the Clippers, when they were not getting to the basket as easy as they were, they had to shoot threes, and for whatever reason, the best three-point shooting team in the league uh, didn't really have it. I mean, they still shot 36.8%, which is not bad, but Kawhi 1 for 7, Batum 0 for 1, uh, Rondo 0 for 3. Uh, credit the Mavs with Rondo, by the way. They let him shoot, uh, and he was 0 for 6, and he was horrible. Rondo was horrible in this game. Feels uh, good. And yeah, it does feel good. I want to put and, that out there. And credit the Mavs for, for the most part, letting him take those shots. Uh, I think there was one sequence, though, where they had two guys were not having at the three-point line and the team got a dunk. And I was like, oh, what are we doing? But otherwise, you know, 
they let the guys take shots that they wanted to other than Kawhi. But I guess their thinking is <laughs> I had someone like tweeted this really like, like it's better to let the Clippers shoot 40% from three than 85% at the rim. <laughs> so I guess that worked tonight. Honestly, God, man, I think they, I think Rick made that calculation. Like they, they did that. It's the first time I learned anything in my life from one of those like in between quarters talks with the coaches thing. But he said mm-hmm. like, you know, there are just going to be, we're we're just we're just gonna give up some threes with this big lineup out there. They're running a zone with Bobon and KP at the bottom, and the truth is, if if that is not going to be able to stop people going into the paint, we don't have a choice. Like there's, it's just physically the amount of size out there between, and then you have Dodo and and uh, you don't you don't have a guy under six six or six seven at that point because uh, Tim Hardaway's out there and Luke is out there. You're just clogging. You're taking a lot of space, clogging up a lot of space. So they made a calculation to that you know something has to be done about the rim about getting like letting them just like have a just a freeway to the rim of the last games and that has changed um we got very lucky and i i do that's what i keep saying recently um i I used to you know shit on rick all the time and like be very angry at him for how he developed players and things like that but i just i trust him now to make these kinds of adjustments um it was the first time we went to a zone extensively all series and we came out we started with a zone and then we switched to this and we switched to a man when it mattered and it worked. Can I give a conspiracy theory take here? Yeah. We talked about this a little bit in Mav Slack. I tweeted about it. We might have even podcasted a little bit about it. I think somewhere around, I don't know, three minutes left in the first quarter of game four, Rick just decided that he was done with that game. And if they got back in it, they got back in it. But he wasn't going to do anything that really gave away other options. Because, I mean, Luca was a mess. And one thing we haven't talked about enough was the fact that Luca was Derek Zoolander and could not look to the left after game four <laughs> and came back out and threw 14 assists where he really should have had 20. He should um, have had 30. I mean, the, the man <laughs> passing like he and and so those of us the three of us who are talking we are we are not old men but we're not young men we are approaching weird things happen to your body age and all of us have had the issue where i'm sure i certainly have where you like you sleep wrong you wake up and you just can't do something correctly like an arm a leg something and he felt that in game three or in game four and and the extra day of rest somehow mattered enough to where he did not look like he was injured at all dude when and you're 20 that, that's the difference when you're our age that lasts for six months and when you're lucas <laughs> age that lasts for 48 hours that's really what happens it's true it's kind of an unlike so he took 37 shots which is you know frankly kind of horrendous if we're being honest but as josh pointed out he needed to take all those shots but what we're just not talking about enough is that he went from being unplayable to being the best player in the series again in a game. And that was the thing I heard from national podcasts all day about, oh, Kawhi's asserted his dominance. And like, fuck you, Luca, is one of the most fun experiences I have had in sports. Like, you know, it's, Dame is up there right now in current sporting events of just like dudes where when he's feeling it, it is it must be terrifying. If, if you're a, 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 a fan of an opposing team. Anyways, I was, yeah. I was thinking about that. I mean, the dude made – the Mavericks made 37 shots as a team. Uh, Luca made 17 of the 37, and then he had 14 assists. Um, I'm not doing the math. What is – what I mean, what is that? That's what – responsible for 31? Is that right? He didn't seven? have – he wasn't responsible for seven baskets. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is one of the, this is one of the wildest games I've I've seen personally from like in terms of dragging a team to the finish line. I don't. It's been a long time since I've seen a game like this, and uh, you know, I mean, let's be real. I mean, the last time we saw a game like this in Mavericks uniform, you know, it was Dirk in the playoffs. Uh, another game that, that reminds me of this, but kind of like the inverse was, I don't know if you guys remember that one game oh, a long time ago. I think it was, it was either Utah. I think it was Utah and Dirk scored like 49 points in, in the, in the fourth quarter to get the Mavericks a win and that they were down like 20 the whole game. And this game kind of felt like the inverse like Luca did all the, he did all the scoring in the first half and it, it kind of went different ways, but just, just in terms of like, this team didn't have it outside of Luca, Like, let's just be real. You know, Powell had a great, you know, Powell had it. He had a great game. He brought a lot. And yeah, you know, Hardaway Jr., Finney Smith, and Przingis all made really huge plays in the fourth quarter. But for like 36 to 40 minutes of this game, uh, everyone else on this roster was big diaper doo-doo. Uh, <laughs> and it was really frustrating, obviously, uh, to watch one of the all-time great playoff games just kind of maybe go to waste. Uh, and I mean, it was just crazy. Just Luca, just, I don't know. I've just never seen a guy, you know, in a Dallas uniform drag a team like that over the finish line since Dirk. And, you know, Dirk hasn't done that in a long time, uh, you know, cause they have Mavericks haven't really been uh, good in the playoffs since 2011. Uh, I just can't emphasize that enough. Just how much no one else for the large parts of that game were really contributing. And I know a lot of people are probably going to try to respond with, well, Luke had the ball the whole time and he needs to, you know, do a better, you know, I don't want to hear that, that, that BS anymore. There are plenty of opportunities for guys to make plays. Well, and they they kind of shit their about. pants. That was, uh, that was the next thing I was going to pivot to. I'm glad you talked about it because I want to hear your response to this Mavericks. Uh, so the, the KP, who was three of six from the floor. So it's not entirely fair to group him in with this, but I think I have to. So KP, uh, Dorian, and um, Tim Hardaway were combined 11 of 34. A lot of that is Tim Hardaway, uh, but Dorian was was just two, was two of nine and had his, you know, he has, he has been nothing short of a disastrous on offense for four straight games now. And they, they, uh, you know, what do you do about that? Because the looks he's getting are good. I mean, the process is good. He just needs to hit them. Is that is that incorrect? Yeah, I mean, what, he had like two wide open corner threes in the fourth quarter that he missed that were set up by Luca passes. I mean, that's his game. You know, he's not, you know, he drove twice, uh, I think in the first half or something, or maybe in the third quarter, and he got rejected and missed a shot. Like, that's just not his game. Like, I mean, this roster... Like, let's be real. Now that Przingis is kind of is who he is, and I don't see it changing. I mean, this is a bunch of standstill spot up guys that just kind of watch Luca, and it's not necessarily always by design. I don't think. You know, I don't know if this is what they they want all the time, but like, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> Christos Przingis and Josh Richardson combined for ten points in, in a playoff game on the road against the Clippers, and the Mavericks won. No one in the universe would have said the Mavericks could win a game uh, in that type in that scenario if we're talking in December before the season started. No one, like not one person. Or if that one person would have said, "Yeah, well, Luca would have had to, you know, basically do everything," and he did. And I'm just, I'm yeah, looking at, I'm looking yeah, at the Jalen Brunson had two points in ten minutes. The, the team was minus ten in the five and a half minutes that Luca didn't play. It was it, it was astonishing. And I know I'm not trying to be like negative. Uh, you know, because this is really, like I said, you don't apologize for how you win in playoff games. Like you just take it and you go. Uh, but I'm just trying to emphasize just the greatness of Luca 
uh, in a game where the Mavericks had to have it. And I just, it was just remarkable. Uh, and 37 shot attempts and three free throws uh, attempted is also pretty hilarious. I oh, mean, and also Luca had yeah. four turnovers despite all he was doing with the ball in his hands. He had four turnovers in 43. Yeah, and again, three free throws. By the way, I do, I do want to say really quickly, he stopped complaining and the free throws are no longer there. That's just what, I mean, that's going to take a while, I think. Yeah, he has very back. He does. I I really, I know fans are going to get mad about this, but he has to earn them back. This is, this is the comeuppance for, for, you know, talking shit in the middle of a Memphis game in the third quarter of like, you know, February. I hate it, but it's the, it's the truth. I, I think you're exactly right. I like, you really do. You either get them then or you get them now. And, uh, and he'll get, by the way, when he's 27, he'll get all of them. Like he would have shot 10 free throws tonight, but he's, he's not. And he has to do that all over again. And I hate that this is even a conversation that this is about what officiating is about, but it's, it's true. I like, I, I, unfortunately, I, I think that there's going to be a gamer that really matters in the next, it, it, hopefully it's in the next series. <laughs> That's my hope. Oh, I'm kind of at a loss for words. I'm also editing at the same time, so people will forgive me. <laughs> um, I, I let's you know, there's not many like the 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 box score in this game looks wild. Tim played 45, Luca played 43. You only got five minutes out of Willie College time, but five actually pretty not terrible minutes. Um, yeah. I was very surprised with him. Um, you know, the only kind of negatives involved with the game have to do with um you know outside before richardson's free throws like he just like he had an air ball and he was just very bad like it's very frustrating richardson is not this bad um i don't know what they do about him um maxi i was glad to see him get a reduced workload but he was like he had five fouls in 19 minutes and and he you know i just i think he's too hurt i don't know if they're going to be able to play him um how do we talk about porzingis how do we talk about porzingis sure yeah um, I just want to say with Richardson, they put him in with a like they were playing a two three zone when they put him in. He is literally a useless player when you have him just like playing an area, and then like it's and he was out there with Jalen Brunson, so he wasn't he wasn't really creating in any way. It's a messy thing. Um, Porzingis, I, I this isn't a great sentence because he scored eight points, but that shot at the end of the game really mattered, and he was ready to shoot it. Um, and he was camped out in the corner. I don't even think he was expecting that pass. Luca does not pass to him unless he has to, which is a thing. Um, and he was ready. Pass, though. Like it was a rifle. It was, it was a rifle. It was right in the shooting pocket. Um, look, if he is more comfortable in a smaller role for the rest of the playoffs, we are much better. Um, we can't bring him off the bench. I understand that. But if the truth is, if the reality is, just like that 2011 Mavericks team, just like that LeBron team with the Cavs that somehow won um, the, the finals over the, over that Warriors team. If the reality is everybody else just steps back and says, hey, look, you know, we will do whatever it takes to make sure Luke is comfortable and we hit shots and we don't you know, try to do too much. If KP is okay with this, we can, we can get a run in. Um, tonight, he seemed fine with it. He played really good defense next to Dwight. Um, like once Powell came in, he seemed perfectly comfortable playing both of them, like mishmashing the four and five, um, because there was no big on either of them. Um, and sometimes they would take chances with Zubats. He, he played really good basketball for that third quarter. 
um, and he looked comfortable for the first time. It doesn't show up in that stat sheet, but he did. He looked like he stepped back and was okay. Uh, Josh, am I crazy? Uh, but with Kristaps, um, yeah. like, I hear you. And it's really sad that the like we have moved the goalposts to that. Yeah. Like, that is a conversation in and of itself is like what you're talking about, about like, hey, you know, they can be good if he's doing this. And if they, you know, they can live with this. Like, I think we have to accept that at least for this season and we can talk for hours about future seasons, but like we are not getting the big 30 point 12 rebound KP back. Like that's, that's not, I think it's time to wave bye-bye to that. And I know a lot of people were hoping that that KP would just show up in the playoffs and be like, ah, well, he was taking it all, you know, he was taking it easy. He was missing games. You know, they're saving his body for the playoffs and you know, it's, it's not there and it's not happening. And you, and you look at him throughout the game and it, the engagement level is just not there. You know, he had, he had six rebounds in 36 minutes. Um, he, you know, only six shot attempts. The shot attempts he got before he finally made a couple buckets in the fourth quarter, he looked horrible. He looked like he he wanted no part of taking advantage of the size mismatch, um, passing out of what you would think would be ideal situations for him to score. And then when he did take shots, it did not look good inside the three-point line. Um, but like you said, he still, hey, he made – I think he made what both his three pointers in the fourth quarter, one from each corner and in a five, like, Hey, Mavericks one by five. He doesn't make those shots. Uh, you know, they lose. Um, so he's absolutely crucial in what they do. Um, but I think it's just, it's just time to like, we need to stop talking about like, how do the Mavericks get KP going? Like, I just don't think that's a conversation that is of any consequence for the rest of these playoffs. Um, unless something, it, unless he does something to change that, like it, it just feels like wasted breath. Like now, now what we have to talk about is how do the Mavericks continue to win games? How do the Mavericks close out the series with this version of KP, which goes to your point, like you said, if he's spacing the floor and ready to shoot spot up threes and can make them, uh, that makes the world a difference. Yeah, it's not it's not just wasted breath, it's wasted possessions. It comes up yep. the offense. It's four or five possessions in the first and second quarter where it substantially slows the game down for several more possessions after that possession. So yeah. I I think we gotta move past that. And yeah. like the truth is if you wanna run like a floppy for him or like an elevator doors thing and you wanna run him through screens and get up a three point shot, okay. Um, but this like mid post shit that we've been trying to do with him is just we gotta move past it. We got like it's time to like it's time to get things in the flow of the offense for him and nothing else, I think. Yeah. And and I'm to be honest, you know, the Mavericks are up three two in this series. I don't know how many more playoff games they can win getting this production out of him. Like, let's be honest, you know, despite the fact that we're like, hey, they need to move on and they need to do something different. I mean, it's a failure that he is been reduced to like a fourteen point six five rebound player. And the Mavericks roster is super not built uh to to support Przingis being that type of player um so I don't know what the answer is to how far can the Mavericks go how many more playoff games can they win with this type of Przingis but Ben I think we're both kind of on the same page that like they're I don't know they got to figure it out because this is what they have to do because it's it's very clear that that all-star 
you know, bubble all bubble KP is is not returning, uh, at least for this playoffs. Yeah, man. Look, the way I look at it from now on is, you know, uh, we have we have a winning lottery ticket in our hand, and we have to go cash it in with a car that doesn't really work. Just drive the car as far as you can get. Like, let's see what happens. Like, stop. Like, we can't. I don't think we can. This this team can't. Like, think about what Chris Kristaps Porzingis is as a player now. It just has to. We just have to just keep moving, keep the car going forward, and uh, and, and just move forward from there. Because guys, we're at, like at halftime today. I was. I think everyone thought this team was left for dead. And guess what? Yep. We're three two, and we are in a very good place. We're coming home. We we get we have we have two shots to win one game here, and then suddenly we play the Jazz and we can beat them maybe. And then who knows? Yeah, I mean this is house money. I mean no one <laughs> yeah. wants to hear this, but this is this is house money. Um, when you get up on a team, you know, Iztok wrote about this in his series. When like the 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 point differential when the Clippers play is is or I'm sorry when both Kawhi George and, and uh, Kawhi and George play is absolutely insane. Like when when they're both like when they're both on the floor, it's something like an eighteen like plus eighteen per one hundred possessions. Like they murder people. So that Dallas is up. Like this is the first game that that outlier shooting didn't have anything to do with it. Um, this was just a grindy, strange win where the Clippers had opportunities and they didn't. And so where I go from here is I'm going to be curious to see what Rick does in game in game in game 6 because if Luka's back to being that dude the Clippers should be afraid. If Luka gets three free throws in game 6 in Dallas, there will be rioting. Um <laughs> I, I know jo- like Josh was kind of uh, he basically told one of our other contributors Matthew he's like I just don't like talking about the refs and I agree. But yeah. it'll be a thing heading home where the Mavericks will say, we got away with this because you know, Luca drives X number of times a game and you guys aren't calling any sort of continuation. And, he, and, and so I just think that'll be a, I do, I really think that'll be a storyline because, you know, game seven is kind of a, a you know, absolute toss up. Um, but in, in game five, you know, sixes, it's, this is just a lot of fun. This is, everybody should really kind of lean in. Like I am a terrible person to watch a game with when I'm, when I don't have anything to do. Like one of our writers took the recap for me and I was kind of like, ah, man, I wanted to write about this just so I wouldn't be an asshole to my wife. And I was an asshole during the game, yelling at the TV, etc. And that, you know, sports are fun. We should just have fun with this is kind of my thought. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, once again, how, like, every, like you just said, house money, like we are. Um, I, I, I don't know when this ends. I really legitimately don't know when this ends, but it could end in many, many weeks from now. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm just hoping for. Yeah. I was about to say this win says a lot because this was like the first game the Mavericks played where you could say their offense was a little shitty, uh, and they were still able to win because I mean, the games they won games one and two, uh, they were just huge, crazy three-point shooting percentage games. Uh, and then, good Lord, I'm looking at the box score. They still made 14 to 36, you know, 39% from three. So uh, they still haven't won a game in this playoff series where they were bad from three. But I guess when you consider most of that was Luka going six to 12. Uh, I mean, they won a game where the role, where a lot of the role players shit their pants for most of the game. And then they made up, made, they manned up and made plays in the fourth. Um I I didn't think the Mavericks could win that type of game. That fourth quarter was a, was a slugfest, and I didn't know if this team was built to to pull out that type of game. And they were able to do it. Now, can you do it two more? Can you do it one more time? Maybe I don't know, but uh, they're in a you know 
they're in such a great place with just needing one more win in two games that now it's like, who cares? You know, don't worry. Like maybe they go bananas and hit 21 threes in game six. And it doesn't matter what the Clippers adjustments are. Like, you know, now that we're in that zone where the Mavericks can just have a crazy, awesome game and we don't have to worry about, can they sustain it or whatever? Cause Hey, they just need one more win. Anything can happen in one game, but I yeah, guess that's the other way. Yeah. I mean, just, just to sum it up, like, We've got bad news and good news. Uh, the bad news is this roster is a circus. And the good news is this roster is a circus. Like, <laughs> you can do it. You have so many looks to throw at this team. The Clippers have, like, two looks. And we had five looks tonight. Um, we, we mucked the game up, and we won in a very weird way. So we can do it one more time. We really can. I, I, I believe in this team. Oh, yeah. I think we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Had fun. Thank you for joining us, Ben. Josh, do you have anything else? No, let's get out of here. I just realized okay. I'm the only one not on my camera. Sorry. That's, uh, I just wanted to see because I like that. Sometimes when you got multiple people, the facial cues help realize when you should talk. Um, oh, that's very this smart. Has been, this has been Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, and Ben Collins, former uh, former reporter for Mavs.com way back in the day. It's my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Ben Collins stat. Uh, we've really enjoyed uh, talking, and I, I hope you guys have enjoyed these podcasts during the playoffs. We've had kind of an incredible run. Uh, if you could please subscribe, if you could give us a review, even if it's not five stars, though five is preferable, tell your friends. Um, my parents recently found out I've had a podcast, which has resulted in some interesting family conversations. I'll tell you that much. Um, my brother did too, uh, which, you know, this is just, it's like, I've been doing this stuff for 10 years and they're just now like, you do Mav stuff? Like, awesome. Thanks. Love you guys. Love you, mom and dad, if you're listening this far. Um, this has been Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, and Ben Collins. Go Mavs. And we will talk to you guys in a couple of days.